Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Hey, good morning. Still morning, barely, but it's still morning. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for just being so good to us and loving us and for your mercy and your mercy that endures forever, Father, and for your goodness. And your mercy is not just an object. Your grace is not just an object, but it's a person, and his name is Jesus. And so we thank you, Jesus, for, for your sacrifice and just being with us and in us and moving through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so... I'm going to go back. I had a detour because Easter messed me up. I mean, on my studies. I mean, anyway, I mean, it really didn't mess me up, but you know what I mean. So, sounds like an excuse. Sounds like an excuse, doesn't it? Now I've got to find where in the world is Romans even at? I think it's in the New Testament, right? So, we're in Romans, and I actually had the bookmark, and I was looking for it. So Roman, we're in Romans chapter four, right? And then I'm going to take you surfing through some different places too, because um, God has put some stuff on my on my heart. And um, I'm going to just to recap: we're studying Romans one, which is about trying to fill holes in our heart by indulging in things, right? Because we got these things that like only God can fill. And so um, if you try to fill it with anything else then really what you're saying is that's God. And that thing is not God, and it won't satisfy you. There's only one thing that satisfies you, and that's Jesus, right? And so once we find God, and once we find the way, once we find the truth, once we fill our, we realize, like, he's not hiding, man. He's not waiting for you to say a prayer and then magically jump in. He's not like, believe in me. Believe in the Lord. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. And you're safe. So it's pretty easy, but we always try to fill it with different things. One of the things I learned through horses is we either do horses to feed our soul or we do horses to feed our ego. And you're like, okay, Pastor James, what are you talking about? Well, we do that with everything. We do that with our faith sometimes too. We're either doing it to feed our soul and grow in the Lord, or we're doing it to feed our ego as I say, you know, look at me. At least I go to church. At least I do this. At least I do that. Look at you, you sorry sucker. You don't do anything, right? And then what is that? That's where we're feeding our ego, saying, "Look what I can do. Look at what I'm doing." And I've been in, I've been in a lot of arenas in the cult, starting challenges and cutting pin or wherever. And you can tell the difference with how the horses respond with the people because a horse is just a mirror. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why, why are you, what are you here for? And why are you doing it? And if we'll ask ourselves that as believers, it'll change our heart. And then when we look into the Bible, the Bible's just a mirror looking back. The Bible says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. We can, we can browse through here and say, oh, it says this, 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 and this, but not even see Jesus in it. Not even see the sacrifice, not even see his love. And I don't want to miss him in it. And so when, when, whether I work with a horse in a pen or at the national finals, I don't care. The horse comes first. 
you do it for the horse. And when you do it that way, then everything works out for you rather than I got to win, I got to do this, I got to do that, because it usually ends up crashing. Hey, you're going to crash the horse and you're going to crash yourself. And that's the same thing that happens in faith, right? In our, in our walk, we're trying to be good enough. Let me, let me say you some problems. You stink. You ain't good enough on your own. You ain't ever going to measure up to that standard in yourself. Now, I'll say that. You know that you have 44 billion miles of DNA running in your body, in one body. So does that make you common? When I say you stink, I do that. I mean that with all honor and compared to the standard we're trying to live up. You think God would create us so phenomenally and say, you're just a rotten sucker. There's no hope for you. We're, we're the most amazing machine on the planet. Forget about AI. If we can ever tap into the spirit, like AI can never do that. It's stuck in this material world. So, but when you think about who we are and how God made us, it changes everything. So if you're trying to live up to a standard that you can't without your own, without him, it's going to be like on a treadmill. Just, you're like, oh, I got it now. Oh, man, I don't. I got it now. No, I don't. I had a vet I used to work for, and he was a genius. He, he wasn't just, um, he worked actually during one of the wars. I think it was a Korean war or I don't remember what war it was, but they had to get vets and use them as people doctors to go because they were running out of doctors. And so he went and actually got it. He could do people or or animals, just a genius man. I, I just loved him. He founded one of the vet clinics down here. But while he, he was so smart, instead of sending him to the field, they put him at John Hopkins University and he discovered a, a, a cure for some disease. And so, but then he went back to practicing medicine and vets. And so I'd come up to him, I was working with him and I was, I was like, doc, I suck. I stink because I'd messed up. I didn't do the horse like I wanted. And he looked at me and he's like, James, he's like, we're all just practicing. He's like, I've killed so many animals. <laughs> he's like, just because I'm practicing. I'm trying. He's like, we're all going to mess up. You didn't kill anyone and the foot's fine. You're good. And he just encouraged me. He goes, why do you think they call it? Doctors are practicing. Lawyers are practicing. Veterinarians are practicing. Why do you think they call it a practice? Because they haven't perfected it. So guess what we're doing? We're practicing our faith. We're living it out. And so as we do, you got to give yourself a little slack to trust him. If you focus on where you're messing up, you're going to keep doing it. Because what you focus on is what you give power to in your life. So are you, are you studying to live? Or are you studying just so you think that you know better than someone else and you can feed that ego? And so I want to check myself because there's sometimes we get in and that takes us over to what? Romans 2, this is about what? Comparing. So what is comparison? It's judging, right? It's not like, like, oh man, I, I, I'm way better than, than that dude walking down the street, but I ain't near as pretty as George. <laughs> Can't preach near as good as George. George is just smarter. He's perfect. He can, I seen him walk on water. 
And Moses, too, you should see Moses walk on water. It's just awesome. Like, he didn't even, he just parted the Puget Sound and walked across, man. Moses still doing it, right? But I start comparing myself. Not just comparing myself to put people down, but comparing myself to go up. And there's only one standard for us, and his name's Jesus. And so that's who we walk in, in him. In him, we live and move and have our being. That's the only real place that we're going to find peace. That's the only place where we can set our ego aside and say, you know what? I'm not going to judge that person, but I'm not going to judge myself either. I'm going to trust God because he said, you know what he said? He said, he removed my sins as far as the east is from the west until I mess up again. Then he's like, I got to do it all over again. Dork, what are you thinking? Either he did or he didn't. Either it's finished or it's not. Which is it? We get to choose. Are we going to allow our soul to receive that? Or are we going to continue to work for something we already got? And we say, I want to be better looking. How do you get better looking when you're this good looking? <laughs> like It's like trying to work for something I already got. Right? Does that make sense? You guys aren't supposed to laugh at that. That's not a joke, right? <laughs> so then, then it goes from comparison to we realize we can't say uh, um, we got to be saved. So we got to find a way to save. So what, what are we going to do? We're going to save ourselves. Well, how are we going to save ourselves? I'm going to clean up. I'm going to make myself nice. And God's going to look at me and say, look at you. They're, you're perfect. You never make up, mess up. Like, man, I don't even get out of bed without messing up. Right? Because I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say something like gripe about getting out of bed. Am I the only one? Like, is that too real? Right? You know, so here's where so we always are like trying to save ourselves. I can make if I do this, God will do this. If I do that, God will do that. And the, and so Paul's coming down. What's happening is the Jewish people were coming and they were saying, guess what? You got to be circumcised. It's not just enough that you believe in Jesus. You got to be circumcised. Guess what? It's not just enough that you go to church on Sunday. It's not just enough that, that, that you gave your heart to Jesus, right? Now you've got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this and you got to do that. And then guess what? Then you're saved. And that's not at all. The Bible says we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth and we are saved if we do everything right. All of us tricks at the last part, right? We're saved by faith through grace, lest any man should boast. So here Paul's coming and saying, look, everybody's guilty of sin. He's like, like let me make it easy everyone including me that's what he's saying and so now we come over to um and then then i love this because he's talking about how um therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law rather through the law we become conscious of sin the more you mess up the more you become conscious of it the more you mess up i learned that training horses when i focus on what the horse messing up guess what that horse is going to do that horse is going to mess up more. Why? Because what I focus on is what I'm giving power to. 
I have a conscious, a messing up conscious, a sin conscious. Right? And so here I'm like, I want you to move your foot and don't move it right where I want. And I'm like, oh my God, it didn't do what I wanted. The judges are going to see and they're going to mark me down. When I quit doing that, I was like, you know what? Just move, bud. Just live. And then when it found the right spot, I'd be like, you know, that's it. And you know what happened? Everything started coming in to order how I needed it to because I wasn't conscious of sin. I was conscious of living and learning rather than trying to be perfect. And that's what Paul's saying is that your consciousness, what is your consciousness? Like you get knocked out, they say you're unconscious. Like if you close your eye, you take these bodies away, take those world away, and what's left? Our consciousness. It's our spirit. It's who we really are, right? And so are we conscious that we're created in God's image, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God? I have a list of things like this is who James is, and I have to remind myself every day. The very first thing I have, I have is, and I look at day and night, is um, James is a son of God, and he knows it. A son of Elohim. You know why I do that? Because it reminds me that I'm not common. I'm not ordinary. I'm made in the image and the likeness of the creator of the universe. That's pretty cool. That means I'm pretty cool, right? So I'm not going to be conscious of, of what I'm not. I'm going to be conscious of who I am. And then that changes everything. Does that make sense? So, and then he talks about how we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are all are justified freely by, by our works, right? <laughs> No, by what? By his grace, right? So now I'm going to drop down into verse chapter four because we've been working like four months to get here. I'm finally here. It says, and I've been through part of it, but it says, what then shall we say? Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter. In fact, that Abraham was justified. In fact, if in fact, Abraham was justified by works, why am I holding my glasses? Reading when I don't see, but not in if, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham did everything right, Abraham was perfect, Abraham kept the law, Abraham what? He what? Are you sure? Because I didn't say that. Does the Bible say that? Abraham what? He believed Elohim. He believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Whoa. Isn't that cool? How did he get that? How did he get that? By believing, right? Abraham believed God. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, 
to the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked. Whoa, he justifies the wicked? What? His faith is credited as righteousness. You know what he's saying? Don't work for God's blessing. Trust God. God sees deeper. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. David says, you know what David means? It, it's the same as George, because God told me George is his favorite, right? <laughs> so David means beloved or favorite, right? So we see, so here the favorite, here the beloved says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man whose sin the Lord will only sometimes count against him. Well, only when he's not going to church. Well, only when he's not, not teaching Sunday school. Only when he's not praying. Only No, what does it say? Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never. Do you know what never means? Never count against him. And so then he says, is this blessedness only for the circumcised or for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him under righteous, as righteousness under what circumstances what it, was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. Do you know what he's pointing out? He's like, Father Abraham, he believed me. Before he was even circumcised, it wasn't about the circumcision. It was about the relationship. The reason he was circumcised was to prove his heart. It's a symbolizing of cutting off of the flesh, cutting off of the ego and allowing our soul and our spirit to flourish. Now you're like, well, Pastor Dave, you're going to have to tell me a story in the Bible that will go with that. I'm glad you asked. Because there's this dude we talked about him. His name was David. Anybody remember what David means? Means George. No, means what? Doesn't mean that. Beloved or favor, right? And so the Lord said to Samuel, now what does Samuel mean? Like we just see these names and we think, well, oh, well, here's just a name. They just have this name. But in the Bible, when you read through the Hebrew, they all have a certain meaning and they tell a story. So the Lord, the I am that I am, said to heard of God or Elohim, how long will you mourn for Saul? Well, what does Saul mean? Saul means ask for. Literally, his name means ask for. Do you remember when, when, when the children of Israel were like crying out to God and they're like, we need a king. Everybody else has this and everybody else has that. And we need a king. Will you give us a king? And, he, and so you know what he does? He has to go find some dude that's out, behind, out chasing donkeys for his uncle. And he's so afraid to be king that he's hiding behind his baggage. And they're asking for a king. And God's like, you want a human king? I'll give you a human king. You're going to get literally what you ask for. In fact, 
to make it plain, guess what? I'm going to even have his name be asked for. It's in our lives. We're like, you know what? If I only had this, then I would have the provision. If I only had this, I would have the peace. If I only had this, I'd have that. And God sometimes like, okay, I'll give you what you asked for. Hey, how'd that work? Go back to Romans 1, because that's not going to fulfill you. I give you what you ask for, but that's not what you need. So here they are. They had the king of the universe as their king. And here they're asking for a mere man. And then they're surprised when they get mere man resolved. <laughs> but that's what they asked for. The Lord, Yahweh, he... I am that I am, said to heard of God, how long will you mourn for what you asked for? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Goes back, is it about your soul or is it about your ego? What you're asking for, is it about feeding your soul or is it about feeding your ego? I don't give it to you. Then do you really want it? Are you going to trust me? He said, fill your horn. God's like, I don't even like this. I don't like this system no more. I don't. Your king, what you asked for is just a mere man. I'm going to be your king again, but I'm going to live through someone who actually has a heart for me, who's not just uh, looks apart, but who is a part on the inside and people will look on the outside and they'll say yeah i don't know if that's the king is small in stature he's this he's that it's all this stuff going on and, and and you know it's not really who i'd pick and god's like you know what i'm not looking at the at the outside or the appearance i'm looking at the heart i want someone who will live you know what he's he wasn't perfect can you believe that even the dude God picked messed up. To spill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am singing you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Now, what does Jesse mean? The Lord exists. He's like, like to the place. It literally means my husband, Yah, or for Yahweh, exists. I am that I am exists. He's saying, I want you to go there. It is a house of bread, bait behind, bait like a, I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But heard of God said, how can I go? What I ask for will hear about it and will kill me. And then I am that I am said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the I am that I am. Invite the I am that I am to exist. Now, here's something that's really cool. The one that exists, have you invited him to exist in you and with you? That's what we do when we receive Jesus into our heart. You know what Yeshua means? It means Yahweh. Salvation. The Lord's salvation. I am salvation. The one who exists salvation listen to this i am that i am i gotta move on that's not even my message 
Invite to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Heard of God did what, you know what I love Samuel. Do you know why? Because he's a prophet. His name's heard of God. The Bible says faith comes by doing. No, faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing what? The word of God, right? So faith comes by hearing. Here's heard of God. Did what the I am that I am said. When he arrived at the house of bread, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Now, why are they asking that? Because you just see he puts Agog to death, man. This king that, that Samuel should have done, or uh, Saul should have done it. He didn't do it. But so Samuel's like, you know what? I'll do it for you. And so he did. He put him to death. There's another meaning. That's a whole other story. Do you come in Shalom? What does Shalom mean? Completeness, peace. Now watch this. Samuel heard of God said, yes, in Shalom. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, the Yahweh, I am that I am. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated the Lord exists and his sons and invited him to the sacrifice. Do you think God's trying to tell us a story? You know, it's kind of funny that these names fit. You know, I mean, what's, I mean, what a coincidence that they all tie in together and tell a story, right? And when they arrived, heard of God, saw Eliab. What does Eliab mean? God is my father. Now watch this. And thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, you know, they talk about, Jesus said, talked to the Pharisees, and they said, you know what? You have a form of godliness, but you lack the power therein. Do you know what he's saying? You're going by the letter. You're going by the law. They are far from me because it's more about that. It's about the spirit. It's about the heart. And so here he's, he's saying, when they arrived, he saw Elevate and thought, man, that's a dude, man. Look at him. You're him. Right? On the football field, if someone's a dude that plays really good, like, I'm him, man. Look at me. Like, I'm him. Right? It's like, I'm him. And God says, no, 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 no. Not so fast. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Are you judging what's going on in your life by what it looks like around you? Are you judging what's going on in your life by what God says about you? By about what God says about your situation. You see, he said, let the weak say, I'm weak. Help me, God, when you come back. Let the poor say, I need lots of help. I'm broke. Who do I call? Not Ghostbusters. Right? Because that's what, no. Let the weak say what? I am strong. You know what I am is? God. It's God's name. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, 
I am rich. You know what? On the outside, it may look like you're weak. On the outside, it may look like you're poor. But on the inside, God sees a champion. He's like, I see who you really are. And if you can come into agreement with what I say, your entire life will change in ways you never dreamed. Will you agree with me? So what he's saying. Are you going to agree with me? Or are you going to agree with appearances? Are you going to agree with your fears? Are you going to agree with those judges, with those hardships, with those things? Are you going to agree that nothing is impossible with God? We get to choose. He said every day we get to choose. I said before you, life and death, choose. Are we going to live from the ego? Which is literally just ending God out and saying, I got this, God. Or are we going to feed the soul and live from the spirit? I get to decide. I love this. Because it says, then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. You know what's really cool? Remember Paul that wrote most of the New Testament? Then in Romans. You know what his name started out as? Saul. You know what it means? Saul means ask for, and God changed his name to this, small. A small whisper that propagates into a roaring multitude. Extraordinary, distinguished. But it was a small, starts out small. It don't seem like a great thing. It seems like a small thing. We have this big list of things we got to do to get saved and to be right. And God's got this one little thing, believe. And when you do, it propagates into a multitude of all that other stuff. I've learned that's the hard way in the, in the horse business. Sometimes you've got to simplify to amplify. If we want to amplify, we need to simplify. We humble ourselves and say, you know what? It's not about what my ego thinks or what I can do. It's about what you say and what you can do in my life. Am I going to trust you? Am I going to trust my ego? Man, I don't like my ego. It runs away, but like a runaway horse. And all, all I can do is ride it until it stops and too tired to do anything else. So then... Jesse called it Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. He got tired. They got tired of telling the story in the Bible. There were so many of their own ones passing by. That's what that means. He didn't even name all of his sons. Jesse had seven of his sons pass by before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Like, they're someone else? He's like, let me think. Do I have another son? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and his name's favorite, by the way. Beloved and favorite. And he's not even invited to the party. They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he, he had sent for him, brought him, and he was ready and with a fine appearance and handsome 
features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. I love hearing that because now I can go back into Psalms and Psalms 139. I think it's one of the most phenomenal. It's like a love. You can really hear David's heart and how he loved God. David was a man after God's own heart. God's not looking on outward appearance. He don't, he don't care about what's in your bank account. He don't care about the numbers in churches. He don't care about, about how good looking you are, how much you weigh. None of that stuff is what he's judging you on. You know what he's judging you on? Jesus. The finished work of the cross. He's looking at your heart. He's like, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? What is your own understanding? It's your ego. David says this, Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. For you know when I sit and when I rise. I'm in Psalm 139. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's what he's saying. Now listen, such knowledge is too wonderful for, wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your hand will hold me fast. Doesn't sound like a guy who's hiding behind any luggage, does it? He says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for the darkness is uh, as light to you. And then this is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. For you created my inmost being. You know what he's saying? You're not an accident. You're not a coincidence. He loves you so much. You are the beloved. He created. Your inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God, and how vast 
the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So when the angels come, they said, to, this is good news, man. This is the gospel. I'm sending you a savior and his name will be Emmanuel. You know what that means? God with you. We always say God be with you, but Christ in us. The hope of glory. Not only is he with us, he's in us. He says, I am still with you. Maybe you're out there and you feel lost. Maybe you feel like there's no hope and there's no way you can go in alone. God says, I'm with you. Because I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Make your bed in heaven or in the depths. It doesn't matter. He loves you. Like all you got to do is try it. So Lord, just rest. Surrender to him and watch what he does. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We just give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.